Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Simon Tierney joins us uh, once again to speak about the sleeping bag. Though I imagine if you go back far enough, uh, Simon, from a modern point of view, everything was a sleeping bag when people were, you know, used to migrate around the place a lot. It's just a bag that you sleep in. Really? Yes, that's pretty much it. Are yeah. you a sleeping bagger? Uh, I, I, it's been <clears throat> some years since I've owned a sleeping bag. <clears throat> well, the reason I'm, I'm talking about it today, Sean, is because uh, it is the start of camping season. Yes, we and are, you're, a, you're an avid camper. I'm a camper. Your family, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we, we love camping, summer camping, not, mm. you know, not Shackleton type Antarctic weather yes. type Fair weather yes. campers. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, it's impo- it's one of those things that's impossible to discover the true origins of because it's such a simple invention. What we can do is we can trace the commercial nature of sleeping bag mass manufacture. And we know that this is something that started to happen in the late, uh, well, not the late, sort of, I was going to say the late Victorian period, but sort of the 1870s, really. And it was actually a Welshman um, by the name of Price Jones. Can't get a more Welsh-sounding name than that. He was... He was the first really to mass manufacture uh, sleeping bags. In 1876, he filed an order um, for 60,000 sleeping bags from none other than the Russian army. Ah, right. Very timely. Yeah. Um, Not sure if they still use sleeping bags. I'm sure they do. It's something that armies tend to, Mm. pretty important part of of the kit. But um, his sleeping bag, the Euclisia rug uh, from the Greek, eu well and klisia meaning cot or, or bed. The idea was that it was a kind of a rug that you could fold over and it had fasteners. So when you... When you got it initially, it wasn't a sleeping bag, but you turned it into a sleeping bag yourself. It also had a built-in pillow at the top. Oh, nice. um, Which was really nice Mm. because rubber had recently been vulcanised and uh, it was an inflatable rubber pillow that you blew up yourself Mm. to make make the sleeping experience more comfortable. So that was the first kind of mass-manufactured one. But we know that... um, a Norwegian explorer by the name of Fridjof uh, Nansen. <laughs> well, Fridjof. Couldn't get perfect. a better name than that. It's just yeah. perfect branding yeah. right there, isn't it? Uh, Fridjof, would you mind looking, uh, you know, taking our sleeping bag with you because it's perfect branding. So in 1888, he was actually the first man to cross Greenland. Mm. And uh, he went with uh, another explorer and he based his design on what the Inuit community were doing in Lapland in Finland, which is they used sealskin blankets. He turned those blankets into a bag. Now, what's really important about this and what I love about the early uh, evolution of the sleeping bag is that his sleeping bag was a two man sleeping bag. We talk about two man tents. This is two-man sleeping bags. Okay. Sometimes there were even three-man sleeping bags. He shared a sleeping bag. The idea, of course, Sean, makes total warmth. sense. Yes, shared absolutely. bodily warmth. So he was in the sleeping bag with his explorer. They were both stuck very closely to Victorian values of the time. They spoke to each other formally with uh, the Norwegian version of um, vu uh, in French, you know, vu rather than two. Uh, And it was after nine months of sharing a sleeping bag together that one night Fridjof pulled down the part of the sleeping bag and he said to his compadre, he said, 
I think it's time that we start using the informal you because we've been sleeping in the same sleeping bag for nine months. <laughs> and did his uh, interlocutor uh, find that a bit too forward, I wonder? <laughs> well, well, I think he was equally shocked by the announcement. <laughs> there was another announcement from Fridge Off on that same night. It, happened, it was actually Christmas Eve, uh, 1888, because Fridge Off said, not only should we drop the, 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 the formal you, but also I want to tell you that because tomorrow is Christmas Day, I've decided to open my first packet of fresh underwear in nine months. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sharing I, I a sleeping bag. That's mixed news as well. So uh, really. Sharing a sleeping bag <laughs> comes with its own risks. <laughs> yes. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, now, I did want to mention an Irish connection here because mm. there's a wonderful photograph from the age of polar exploration uh, from the 1880s to, to 1912, 1913. 1922, actually. Um, Tom Crean, uh, there's a wonderful photograph of him sewing a sleeping bag. Uh, Now, that photograph, which a lot of listeners will be familiar with, he's got his trademark pipe in his mouth. He is on Scott's, Captain Scott's, uh, I think it was his 1911 trip to try and reach the pole when he was facing off against Norway's Amundsen. That fatal trip, of course, which Tom Crean survived and Captain Scott didn't. But um, you can see in that photograph that Tom Crean is sewing a really thick, heavy, heavy uh, piece of material. That is reindeer fur. That's a reindeer-lined sleeping bag. Seriously heavy, Sean. Yeah. And I suppose that's the whole thing about the sleeping bag is that they were trying to combine maximum cosiness with maximum lightness because you don't want to be hauling that thing around the place. Yeah, or at least the husky dogs were hauling them around. But the big problem, I think, for sleeping bags in the, the polar regions at this time was that when you tried to unroll your sleeping bag in the evening, it was really hard to unroll. It'd be like taking a piece of uh, a roll up of puff pastry out of the freezer and trying yeah. to unroll it straight away without leaving it to thaw for half an hour before you start baking it'd be very very similar to that so you were literally getting into a kind of a frozen sleeping bag and your body would thaw the bag right tell us about the elephant foot because that yes. does look super cozy yes the elephant foot the uh Pied d'éléphant. Um, that is a French invention by a French alpinist in the 1930s. This is an incredible invention. It's a kind of a half sleeping bag. So it comes up to your waist. So it covers the bottom half of your body. And then it ties or clips on to the down jacket that you're wearing. Mm. So the idea is that it's much lighter to carry because it's kind of half a sleeping bag. Yeah. And you're utilising the down jacket that you're that you're wearing anyway. Now... Um, It was very popular from the 30s to the 70s because, to be honest, John, it was more like a bivouac than a a sleeping bag. And a bivouac is kind of like, how how would I describe it? It's kind of a half sleeping bag, half tent. It's for really seriously rough sleeping. Um, It's it's more substantial than a sleeping bag, less substantial than a tent, and you wear it. Right. Uh, If that helps to explain (laughs) what a bivouac is. Yeah, but if you're wearing the same jacket, we're back to the kind of haven't changed my underwear scenario. Exactly, yes. Just for the top half. So, yeah, they all come with uh, uh, smell risks, let's put it that way. Simon, fascinating as ever. Thank you very much. Simon Tierney there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm.
on News Talk.